0: Hey guys, this is Pastor Zach, and you are listening to Sermon Notes here at HPC. Chapter 3, verse 1 says, To the angel of the church in Sardis, write this He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you're alive, but you're dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die, for I have not found your deeds completed. Everybody say, Completed in the sight of my God. So remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments and I will not erase his name from the book of life and I will confess his name before my father and before his angels he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Okay, I preached on Sardis a number of years ago. Chris reminded me of this, and you were, you were, Chris is somebody that the message sinks in deep because you're telling me back my points, and I didn't even remember preaching on it. And uh, so we had breakfast the other day, and Chris is like, oh, yeah, so, you know, th- where are we going here? And um, to be fair to this church, I have, a like, this strong conviction that if, If the Lord does lead me back to a passage that I preached on before, to not go look at my notes unless ordered by the boss otherwise. Um, But I feel like it's so important that we not recycle messages, but that we're sensitive and that we're hearing. And so that's why I'm asking you not to check out because there's something fresh here for you. So some of this may sound similar. In fact, I think some of it will because the church has probably doubled or tripled in size since we preached this message. So I think it's important that we're all on the same page. Seven spirits and seven stars. To the church in Sardis, let them know that me, I, Jesus, Savior, Master, Redeemer. For them, what they need to know about me is I'm the one who holds the seven stars and the seven churches. Now, we talked about early on the number seven, meaning meaning wholeness, completeness, that it has to do with an entire body of things coming together. Um, And that number seven, we know it's the Lord's number and we see it in different places throughout scripture, but especially in revelation, I want us to get our, our, our focus locked in on the idea that what he means is the wholeness of the church and the fullness of the spirit. If you're writing things down, get this. Jesus is where the wholeness of the church meets the fullness of the spirit. Jesus Jesus is where the wholeness of the church meets the fullness of the Spirit. Listen, in our little uh, games that we play, that we call denominations, and you know, fellowships, and you know, networks, and sects, and theological persuasions, and all this stuff that we come up with, uh, we very often become terrifyingly satisfied with a part of the spirit. We are a part of the church and we become satisfied with a part of the spirit. We are either the Pentecostals and we want the crazy demonstration, manifestation, Holy Spirit. But if you're really Pentecostal, then you call him the Holy Ghost. Okay, you remember that? Anybody from the South? Anybody been filled, not with the Holy Spirit, but baptized in the Holy Ghost? <laughs> I was. That was my story, okay? And, uh, and back then, they didn't just lay a hand on you. I got punched in the stomach at 12 years old. That's where I learned to fight, was at the altar. You know? Tragically... We get a little taste, kind of like that inoculation thing that Dave preached about. We get a little taste of the Holy Spirit, and then we spend the rest of our lives trying to stay high on that little tablespoon of whatever it is that we got. But Jesus says, I'm the one who holds the whole church and the whole spirit, the wholeness of the church and the fullness of the spirit. Versus part of the church, getting part of the Spirit. Some of you, if you come from more of a Baptist-type background, and uh, I, I, didn't even, I didn't even realize this until college, that there are folks who are cessationists. Um, they do not believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, that they're for today. They believe that they were for the Bible days. They're not for today. And what the Holy Spirit is for now is to illuminate Scripture. And uh, I thought that was interesting because I had no idea that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit was to illuminate Scripture. I thought that the role of the Holy Spirit was to knock me on my back at the altar. I thought the role of the Holy Spirit was so that, you know, we could prophesy over each other and, you know, sling sweat rags and glory balls at each other. (laughs) That was a very small sect that. Very small Mitch, a couple of folks out of Toronto who need to get saved again. But the deal is this, the deal is this, we we isolate and identify, and this is the danger of narrowing ourselves down to a, a, a tiny little fraction of the church. Because if we're limiting our receptors to a fraction of the church, then we will limit our reception to a fraction of the spirit. What Jesus comes and says to the church of Sardis and to the church of New England is, I am the one with the wholeness of the church and the fullness of the spirit. I'm the one that brings those things together. And when we begin to deny the role of the Holy Spirit in somebody else's life or even the role of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us, when we start to kick against that and rebel against that and push against that, we're not just saying that's a theology. No, we're pushing against Jesus himself because it's in his hand. We're pushing against our brothers and sisters in the Lord who are in his other hand. He's got the whole world in his... Did you ever wonder if like, can you just move some of those people to your other hand? Because, like, I'm not cool with what they're talking about. Guys, the wholeness of the church and the fullness of the spirit, I don't know about y'all, I want it all. I want it all. I want people coming in here. I love it when Roman Catholics come into this house and worship with us because I have stuff I need to learn from them, and so do you. I love it when people who are so crazy about the Holy Spirit, I don't have as much to learn from them because I learned it all growing up, but you do. And so do I. Who am I kidding? Guys, we have to, we have to broaden our horizons. Now, with each one of those little sects, they, they're going to get some stuff wrong. That's okay. That's why they need you. But they're going to get some stuff right. That's why you need them. And I want the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So we got to keep going here because this is like each one of these churches should have been three messages. This could have been a 21-part sermon series, but I probably would have retired after that. So he says this, I know your deeds, comma. He doesn't even, this one isn't even like a let's open up with a good thing. He's kind of like he can't wait to get to the hard stuff because there's some hard stuff. He says, I know your deeds. And they're thinking like, oh, is this going to be like the last four letters where, you know, He's going to recognize us for everything we do good. Nope, just your deeds. And then immediately following that, he says that you have a name that you're alive, yet you are dead. Wow. So what's this bit? Why even acknowledge deeds? Because deeds are an indication of life. They're leaves on a tree that indicate some measure of fruitfulness should be present you remember the message of jesus cursing the fig tree we talked about how a fig tree the figs come first and the leaves come later so from a distance if you see leaves then that should equal figs and hungry jesus comes up to a barren tree and he's all done with that that's like seeing a vending machine And walking up to it only to find out that all the Pop-Tarts are gone and it's just the springs coming up to the end. I've done a lot of hospital visitations and eaten out of a lot of vending machines and cursed them when they were out of Pop-Tarts. Just like Jesus. You know, I'm just doing the work of the Lord. Your deeds are an indication of life, saints, but but false hope. Deeds are, are nothing more than false hope if we don't have the real life to back it up. If you're writing things down, write this down. Don't let your faith be a mirage when the world is desperate for an oasis. Don't let your faith be a mirage when the world is desperate for an oasis. I remember in North Carolina, I was like maybe middle school, high school. I can't remember if I had my driver's license yet or not um, because I got it in middle school because it was North Carolina. And uh, they came up with this genius idea uh, to put out these inflatable police cars where, you know, it looked just like a police car when it was hidden kind of behind a tree and you're flying by at 75 miles an hour in a 25 zone and you see it. And, and the, the idea was we're going to put out these. And actually I was looking it up to do some research. And I found out that Boston had a similar idea, but they did it with like plywood and it was like plywood cutouts. It was on the news a while back. They paint them, painted them up, propped them up, like, you know, inside hedgerows or bushes or whatever, like, right at turnoffs. So that in places where people would normally speed, you know, you just see that out of the corner of your eye. And you're, you know, you, you drop that brake pedal in. So now in North Carolina, when I was growing up, I'm thinking about this. And I'm like, okay, you know, this is crazy. Because when you, when you see a cop car, like, no matter what, even if you're driving the speed limit, like, my wife... She gets really nervous around cops, and sometimes I get nervous about that, like how nervous you are, because I'm like, hey, how you doing, officer? And now she's kind of like, like she's always hiding something, and that, that makes me nervous. But anyway, and it probably makes all of our friendly peace officers nervous, too. But anyway, because I grew up, I'm like, you see a cop, you know, you, you push the button that releases the moonshine out of the tank, and then you just, you know, whatever, slow down. How are we doing today, officer? That's how I grew up. But but Ashley, you know, she's like, Zach, there's a cop. Slow down, slow down. I see you up here. The problem was in North Carolina that one evening someone was in trouble and they were being pursued and they saw a police car and ran to it only to find that it wasn't a police car, it was a two dimensional facade of what should have been help. And I think about that. I think, and I've seen them do it too. They'll take real police cars and put mannequins in them, dressed up in police uniforms. It's even more real than the last one. And yet when you go to actually engage, nothing. Guys, I see your deeds, that you have a name, that you're alive. But if you're there touting the, and, and, and advertising these things, churches are so good with um, coming up with names that were indications of like life and joy, like all these names, you know, they all have life in them and it's all like, yeah. And, uh, and the hardest thing for me is to think that, wait a minute, why then am I meeting people who after decades there receive nothing but death? You have a name that you're alive. You have a name that you're alive. Can we be real about something? I think, I think the fake thing, the facade, the two-dimensional Jesus that, that we demonstrate, that we put out in the, for the world to see, it's actually worse than no Jesus at all. Because at least if there's no Jesus at all, Whoever needs help can just keep running. The problem is when we stop and we think we're going to be fed. When the dying, desperate man in the desert finds a place and he thinks there's going to be something at the bottom of this well and he just keeps lowering the rope only to find dust down there just like it is at the top. The world is better served by a faltering faith in a ditch than a phony faith on display. Some of y'all are like, well, my faith's not strong enough you know, to be of service to anybody. Is your Jesus strong enough? Seriously. I, I want to see all of our faith like, be promoted to the next level. I want to see everybody in here raising people from the dead. I want to see that. And we're coming upon times in times now when we're gonna, we're gonna see faith go through the roof. Mark my words on that. But I, I, wanna, I want you to know that for the ones in the room who you say the best word, the best F word to define my faith is faltering right now. Faltering faith is of better service to the world. When you're in a ditch, when, you, when you're feeling like, and what does faltering mean? It means moving forward slowly with hesitation reluctance, nervousness, cautiousness. I believe, but help my unbelief. Some of y'all the I believe is in lowercase and the help my unbelief is in uppercase. I want you to know the Lord can use that. The Lord will use that. And, and I believe that faltering faith in a ditch When you're kind of like, you know, some of you guys are like, well, once I get cleaned up, once I get this thing out of my life, once I have this straightened out, once I have that going on, once I get this, once I do that. Guys, that's never been what this was about. Three years, the disciples followed Jesus and he's like, okay, you guys are good to go. I'm going to head north and I'm going to send you the spirit. The spirit? What's the spirit? They were still getting things wrong consistently clamoring for who is going to be greatest, messing up in their zeal and their passion. But I believe that sometimes faltering faith in a ditch can bear more fruit in the world than phony faith on display. I know your deeds. You have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. Father, help us. Lord, I pray that within us would be the life to back it up. God, I pray for the folks in here who feel like there's only fruit on one little old tiny branch, one fig hanging off a twig, and that's it. That's all they have to offer. But God, I pray that you would rise up in those folks to believe, God, that that one fig can sustain somebody. That one fig can bring refreshing to somebody. That one fig can save a life as opposed to a tree that's full of beautiful leaves but not one ounce of fruit on it. Help us, Lord. Okay, let's keep going. So he says this. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain which were about to die for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. Everybody say completed again. Completed. I love this line and, and it's sobering for me. It's sobering for me um, as a pastor, as a leader. It's sobering for, I believe, any church. If you were with us a couple years back, I talked, preached a message at some point and talked about how um, every time in church history that there's a revival, my theory, as I've done the research and looked through them, my own hypothesis is that each revival is marked by a revelation of one of the parts of the Trinity. And so you have your Jesus revivals where millions of people get saved. And it's not that other stuff doesn't happen, but the emphasis is evangelistic. And it's on the lost coming to know the Lord. Then you have your spirit revivals, your Holy Spirit revivals, where people are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And gifts, spiritual gifts begin to be birthed. And spiritual callings, manifestations, demonstrations, things like that. Um, those mark that kind of revival, but there's another kind of revival and it's what I believe we're in right now. And it's what I call a revival of the father. It's where, while Jesus as a friend of sinners, right? Jesus as my homeboy, Jesus is the one I can relate to the one who came down to just do a blue collar job, uh, that Jesus and, and the spirit that he sends in his place They get a lot of things started in us, don't they? You get saved and things get started. You're born again. New life gets started. You get baptized in the Holy Spirit and you begin to walk in your giftings. Stuff gets started. But how many of you know that the father is is interested in closed accounts? Okay? When the father comes on the scene and reveals himself in the way that, that he's doing now, he is bringing things to a day of completion. He is here to make sure we finish what we started. That's why this church has over seasons. That's why we've had such a thrust of, hey, what was that dream that you had when you were 15 years old? What happened at summer camp that, that, that back in the 70s when you were filled in the Holy Spirit and, and there was a destiny laid out before you? And then somewhere we got off track. By and large, the Father has been doing this huge thing of bringing people back to that place, that initial call, that initial burden, that initial um, heartbeat. Why? Because he's bringing things to the day of completion. He is interested in finishing what he started. I remember when when Daniel Norris was here for the revival, for um, the the glory days that we did last March, uh, he he talked about how he only reads books that were written by dead people because he likes closed accounts, you know? Because when you write the book, too many, too many Christian leaders, you know, they, they go off on this big glorified anointed ministry and then they somewhere along the way fall off and, you know, end up, you know, celebrating the things of the world or whatever it is. And, uh, and their ministry pivots and everything falls apart. And so Daniel Norris said, I read books by dead people, closed accounts. They can't change now, they're in glory, it's over. And I I love that because I think that the father, he sees and there's compassion and there's grace for this. In fact, we're living in this dispensation of grace for this reason, not so that we can go on sinning or go on distracted or go on confused or go on misguided and misdirected and misled. There's grace so that we can be returned and restored back to the original calling that he gave us. Are you with me? Okay, to complete. So what does that mean? What does it mean? Wake up, strengthen the things that remain, which we're about to die for. I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. To complete is, if you're writing things down and you just want a working definition, for all intents and purposes for today's message, to complete is to turn a seasonal realization into an eternal revelation to turn a seasonal, what did I just say? Realization, a seasonal realization into an eternal revelation. Because God is in the business of deploying eternal revelation, okay? Now we believe the canon is closed. We don't believe that we're gonna get a prophetic word that is gonna change or alter or add to scriptural uh, authority. So if you're hearing that somewhere, that's just bad teaching, okay? That's not true. Um, The Bible is the Bible. It is the infallible, inerrant word of God and the final authority, and we are not going to add to it. And neither is the pope or any priest or anybody else, okay? So this is the word of God. When we walk in the Spirit, the Lord gives us revelation that aligns with it, that, that brings our spirit into agreement with the word of God and helps us with sort of modern day application, if you will. So the reason why it's important to understand this is because God's in the business of releasing eternal revelation. We are in the business of receiving what should be eternally revealing into just a seasonal realization where it's like, aha, it's kind of like that. Is it speaking to the peace or is it speaking to the chaos? We receive something. Whatever comes down the pipe, and that's the problem with trends, right, in Christianity. Trends in ministry. What's popular? What's hot? What are people doing? What are people singing? What are churches, what color are churches being painted these days? How are, li- how are lights looking in the stage? And what are people doing? People are going to line arrays now. Let's go to line arrays. There's all these things that we, everybody has a big digital screen. Let's get a big digital screen up. Then we'll look like the other churches. You see where we're going here, right? Seasonal this and that, it goes away. A time is gonna come when, when these are passe and everybody's just gonna want the blank wall again. It's gonna come, it'll come, just wait for it. The problem is, is that again, what the Lord shows up and brings, it's not what's, what's shifting in cultural norms. It's what's coming out of the throne room of heaven and it does not change. The only thing it does is change you when you let it instead of just saying, well, we're going to do this for now and then see what happens. We're going to focus on the soul for a little while because we have the soul study out. And then, you know, when the next thing comes along, phew, we can move on to something that's not quite so deep because that's most of the complaints I'm hearing is that, Zach, it's too deep. Um, sorry about that. I, I'll agree. It is, it's mad deep. But I will say this. Whatever is, a, whatever is a, a seasonal realization, if it's from the Lord, it was meant to bring transformation in your life. I'm going to say it this way. Everything God shows you should permanently transform you somehow. Everything God shows you should permanently transform you somehow. Last summer, um, I preached one of my favorite sermons of all time to about 15 or 20 people. Because that's all at the last church picnic that we're listening to the message. Um, Everybody else was like squirting each other with squirt guns or silly string or burying their face in cut open watermelons or, you know, chomping at the bit to go get in food lines or whatever it was. And so one of my favorite messages of all times, and it was honestly part of the reason it was one of my favorites was because Haley in the days leading up to the sermon, and by days I mean the hours, Leading up, she went out on Saturday and bought thousands, I think. No, I think it was like somewhere around 1,200 or something, um, pickles. Uh, did anybody get a pickle at the picnic last year? Okay. Did anybody know what the pickle was for? Oh, my gosh. Somebody was like, yeah, I don't know what it was for. Like, I ate it. I don't know what it was for. This is my point. This isn't really my point. But I preached this message on the difference between um, the two words that, that sort of both mean baptism. There's a Greek word, bapto, and a Greek word, baptizo, and we would never have known the difference if it weren't for um, a Greek poet and doctor who lived around 200 AD. His name was Nicander, and he left for us a recipe, a recipe that somehow made it through 2,000 years of history, and that recipe was from making pickles, and I'm just going to preach this little part again because I love it so much. Um, So for the 15 folks who heard it, uh, I'm sorry, bear with me. But babto shows up in this recipe and you take the cucumber and you dip it in boiling water. What does that do? It cleanses it, kills whatever's on it, bacteria, anything else, whatever. And it prepares it for the next baptism. The next baptism is not babto, it's baptizo. And it's equally immersive. You immerse the thing in water, but then you immerse the thing in vinegar. That baptism comes from a different word because it means a different thing. It means to be changed by that immersion permanently. It's where a cucumber becomes a pickle. A cucumber dipped in boiling water just becomes a hot, clean cucumber. A lot of believers are hot, clean believers. Just keep clapping. I'm going to take a drink. See, y'all would have loved that message if you were listening to it, but instead you're like, Nom, 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 Pickles. Thanks, Haley. What was this all about? Just a gift from Haley to the church. Pickles. Wonderful. It was a sermon illustration to say that we need to be baptized, not just baptized. Because when you're baptized and you come out of the water, guess what? In a few minutes, you're going to get dirty again. It's not until you're baptized, until you're dipped in the thing that chemically changes you. Everything God shows you should permanently transform you somehow. You have to meditate on it, right? He who has an ear, let him hear. You can't just dip the cucumber in vinegar and then put it in the fridge. No, you leave it there. Therefore, so remember what you have received and heard and keep keep it, 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 keep it. Take notes if you have to. Guess what? When we move back into the other building, we're coming back under that skylight, and now it's been gutted all the way to the ceiling. You couldn't black out that room with all the black Kleenex in the world. You know what I'm saying? You couldn't do it. There'd just be no way because there's also holes in the ceiling like where rain is coming through. Even if you blacked out the windows, you know we're gonna see sunlight no matter what. It's gonna be enough to take notes, okay? If you have to take notes, take notes, but keep it. I'm not telling you that my messages are just like so profound that all these messages are gonna change your life, no. The spirit of God will change your life if you will just stay in him long enough, if you will meditate, if you will soak, soak in the pickle juice. Okay, keep it and repent. There we go again with that word. Thank you, Lord. Therefore, if you don't wake up, I'm coming like a thief and you'll not know what hour I come to you. Watch this. Verse four. By the way, we could stop there and talk about that. Um, I think you get it. Um, that when he comes, in fact, he said he, he jumps down to it at the end. So let's keep going. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. I want to talk about that for a second. Note that the worthiness of these people was not in their ability to clean themselves, like we talked about in a message a while back, but their ability to preserve the cleanliness that was put on them. They're walking in white. Are they in their glorified state yet? No, they're not in their glorified state yet. Are they still have flesh on their bones? Yes, they do still have flesh on their bones. And yet, and yet, they are preserving their garments. They're modeling a conduct to match their condition. And saints, that's what the call, that's what Paul spends the, all of the Pauline epistles doing for the young churches is saying, hey, I get it, I get it. You've accepted Jesus. The gospel's real. You, you know you're going to heaven. But let's talk about today. Stop sleeping with prostitutes. Stop being greedy. Stop stealing. Stop lying. Stop, stop disrespecting your parents. Husbands and wives love each other. Respect each other, honor each other, submit to each other, submit, 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 submit submit, submit to each other. Basically, you can walk now in a way that you remain clean, a manner that Jesus himself says is worthy of the call to be an overcomer. You can walk in a way. Saints, don't settle for less than heaven just because you're still on this side of it. Well, when I get to heaven, I can finally, you know, kick this addiction, or I can finally get this right, or maybe I'll finally have the patience. Patience is the fruit of the Spirit. You don't need heaven. You need the Holy Spirit. You need to bring heaven to you. Don't settle for less than heaven just because you're still on this side of it. And he closes with this. We can go ahead and stand to our feet. He says, he who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments. And I will not erase his name from the book of life. Everybody say erase. Trying to keep whistling, I just ran out of lung space, even with these long lungs that I have. But the, um, it's an inside joke for people who were here a couple years ago. Uh, guys, I hate this. I'm gonna tell you right now, I do not wanna see Jesus say these words. I wanna scratch that. In fact, speaking of erase, I wanna take that sucker right out of the Bible. If he says, I will not erase, I mean, I'm not going to fill in the blanks. I'm not going to put words in the Lord's mouth, but I want this to be sobering for us for just a second, okay? For all of us who hang on eternal security and all this, that, you know, we can't be plucked from the hand of God because it's in the Bible, that's true. You can't be plucked from the hand of God, but you can sure as heck jump out of it. You can jump right out of it. Hence the grace, hence the dispensation, hence the, the reason for me to stand up here until I'm blue in the face saying, Remember what the Lord has shown you. Remember what he's spoken to you. Remember what he's revealed to you. Remember the vinegar that you got out of and get the heck back in it and let it change you. It's so important, saints. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments and I will not erase his name. I don't know about y'all, I don't wanna get to that place before the, 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 the great throne of heaven. I don't wanna get there and the Lord be looking for my name and I'm like that leftover graphite stain after you erased it and it just kind of tears the page and it turns pink from the eraser. And it's like, you know, you dig down in with the metal part and it's just a mess. I don't wanna do that to the Lamb's Book of Life. I don't want to have a name that, that could possibly ever be erased. And this isn't about living in fear or anything like that. It's about living in the spirit. It's about staying in the vinegar. It's about seeing, it's about it's about not how seeing how long I can stay outside of the juice and still be juicy. How long can I go and not dry out? How many how many times can I forsake gathering together with the people of God like the word of God tells me to and still expect to maintain The transformation. And I say maintain because it's something we have to steward. It's something that requires oil changes every 3,000 miles. It's something that requires alignment and and reinflation of tires. It's something that if we're going to keep rolling, we have to stay in it. We have to stay in it. You know what stood out to me the most about Sardis? That there was no demon. There was no unclean spirit. There was no false teaching. There's no Jezebel, no Balaam and Balak, no Nicolaitans to blame it on. It was just doing things halfway. Let me tell you something. My God doesn't leave anything half done. My God doesn't leave any battle half won. Yeah, Zach. And if I'm going to make a place for him here, if, we, if this is about creating space for him and, and a revelation of him and a revival of the father, then we need to be willing to say, you know what? I put that down. It's time to pick it back up. You know what? I let that thing go. You know, I used to be in the word. I used to, I used to give myself to prayer and intercession, and I don't. It's time to finish what we started. Now, I know that we're at 1030, but listen to me, saints. If you're in this room this morning and there are things in your life that you pushed pause on, like the old tape decks, you could push pause. Before there were the CDs and they kept spinning, you push pause and it, and it like halts. Everything comes to a halt. And then you walked away and you forgot you had a tape player. Today is the day the Father's calling you back. Today is the day the Father says, wake up and strengthen that which remains. That tape is still in that cassette player. That word that he spoke over you, it still remains, but it's up to you to strengthen it. That jar of vinegar, it's still sitting there on the shelf but it's up to you to jump in it. If that's you in the house this morning and you say, Zach, I started some pretty incredible things with the Lord. By the power of his spirit, I remember when God used to do this. And for some of you, it's not years and decades ago. It's like the last season of your life, just like a matter of months ago, maybe earlier this year, but but the enemy threw you a monkey wrench or a curveball, and somewhere you ended up on a left-hand turn when you were supposed to stay straight. And a few lefts later, you just ended up in circles. Today is the day we pick back up where we left off. If that's you in this room, I'm gonna ask you to step out of your seat and meet me down here. For such a time as this, for such a time as this, that we stop putting off that we stop procrastinating. Listen, I look out over this room, some of y'all I don't even know what you used to do, but I can just see the residue of vinegar on your life. You weren't you weren't like just one of those like little like you know, medallion slices of dill. You were like the ones that you buy at the hot dog like stand that are like bigger than the hot dog. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Y'all, sit some big pickles in this room. Guys, this move of God that happens, it happens when we finish what we started. This thing, this revival that's coming, it starts like this by the people of God coming back and picking up what they put down. This is how he wants to be revealed. This is how he wants to be known as a God that can transform lives. So wherever we saw the transformation stop, that's where we go. And in his grace and in his mercy, we're moving forward from there today. We're moving forward. Is there anybody else? I'm gonna ask you to take a couple steps forward. Take a couple steps forward so we can get our intercessory team behind you. There's some people in this room this morning. I wanna add this to this because I feel like there's some people in here and you have tried to take in truth and and there's a blockage, there's a blocker and it can't get from your head to your heart. It can't get to a place where it's actually gonna bring transformation to you. If that's you, step out of your seat. It might be one person in here, but you're saying, man, I want to be changed by this. And there's some reason. I was sitting with my wife in in a meeting with a young woman a while back and we're going through things. And, um, and the Lord said to me, it's a spirit of stupor. And we began to, to bind and to break off the power of that spirit in her life. And I was talking to Ashley about it later and Ashley said, you know, what's was so crazy is every time I would go to pray for her, every time I would ask the Lord, how do I pray? She said, I kept coming up blank. I kept coming up blank every time. And she said, that's never happened to me before. And I thought it was interesting that she was experiencing exactly what that young woman was dealing with in the nature of that unclean spirit. I believe that the Lord wants to bring freedom to his people from that stupor, from that thing, that inoculating thing that says, you got enough of that, you don't need any more. Even if you're not consciously processing it that way. The thing is like, I grew up in church, I already heard this, yeah, the seven letters, okay, I'm good. No, you're not good. You need the spirit to bring life into those dead places. Otherwise, you're nothing more than a plywood police car on the side of a road when somebody needs help. Is there anybody else in here? Okay, intercessors, let's go. Prophetic team, let's go. Pastors, elders, if you're in here, let's go. Quickly, move through this crowd, quickly. Let's go, 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 out of your seat, go let's begin to pray over these folks Father I pray right now that your spirit would just begin to move through this space up here God I pray for folks who even right now are dealing with that stupor even right now are having trouble breaking through Lord I pray that you would, that you would come Lord in like a flood that you would overwhelm what has been a, a wall for too long Lord, I pray that the gates would open up and that everything that your spirit desires to bring, that you would push through. God, whatever has been built up, whatever has been blocking. Lord, we breathe life. God, as Ezekiel did over those dry bones, we breathe life over the army of the callings and the giftings and the burdens and the abilities the passions, the dreams, and the visions that are present at this altar and in this room this morning. And we come into an agreement, Lord, and prophesy as you instructed Ezekiel to do. Lord, for these things to come alive again, to strengthen that which remains. Lord, if it only feels like bones that remain for some of us, God, I pray that you would give us a boldness to prophesy over bones. Jesus, 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 Jesus. This is Pastor Zach, and you've been listening to HPC Sermon Notes. Love you guys, God bless you, and have the best day of your life.